If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that God may open a door to us for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I don't, haven't met you. My name is David. I'm the location pastor here. And I, for one, uh, am extremely excited to watch Lion King on the big screen. Um, not going to lie. And full disclosure, I will cry. So do not judge me, but I will be there and I will cry. Um, we are in a six-week sermon series, as Brian mentioned, that's designed to help us see that we have been blessed to be a blessing to the world, and specifically a blessing to those who don't know, uh, who don't yet know Jesus Christ, and that God might, through five simple and incredibly practical actions, use you and I to represent Jesus in such a way that those in our lives who don't know him would look on our life would hear our message and be compelled to put their trust in Jesus. And uh, last week, we had Dr. Greg Nelson here with us. Uh, as he shared, he opened up the series talking about how the church is a community of people. We have been blessed to be a blessing, that we need to be like this kind of Amazon warehouse, if you were here last week, and the blessing's coming in, and we need to put that blessing out as quickly as we can, confident that God's just gonna keep bringing blessing after blessing, but it's not to stop with us, it's to go through us to other people. And so the practice we're gonna zero in on today is the be and bless which is to begin with prayer. And I believe that God is uh, given and is giving and wants to give you more stories. I believe that God wants to give you more adventures, uh, more things to, uh, to testify and to share about how he has used you to be a blessing to someone else. Maybe you already have lots of stories. If you do, I think God has more stories for you. If you've never, if you don't have any stories of like, you know what, God used me to be a blessing, to actually to be a witness to someone, uh, someone else. I believe that God has those stories for you. And, um, and we want to start with prayer, okay? We want to start with prayer. Not starting with prayer would be like me walking into a gym without a trainer. Um, I, you know, I know it looks like I work out all the time. I know these muscles are huge, but believe it or not, I have not seen the inside of a gym in the last seven years, okay? My oldest daughter is seven. That was the last time I was in a gym. And, um, and uh, if I walked into a gym tomorrow, I would feel extremely insecure. Uh, I would know that I would have the goal, obviously, to get stronger, but how to go about that, I wouldn't be so sure. In fact, I probably would walk around the gym and I would look at, they probably have all kinds of machines that I've like never even seen before. And I would be the person sitting there like, I'm not sure how to sit on this machine. I don't know how many plates to put on. You don't want to put too little because you don't want to look like a real weakling. You don't want to put too much because that's just embarrassing if you can't lift it. But I would, I would be lost. I would not know what to do. I, need, I would need a trainer to go in there with me. I would need someone who's going to encourage me, who's going to show me what to do, who's going to show me how to do it, who's going to show me how to get stronger, someone that I can talk to, someone that will listen to me, and someone that's going to speak into my life and help me know what to do. And uh, as the old saying goes, we need to talk to God about men before 
we talk with men about God. We need God. When we are, as his witnesses, as, as people who are called to be a blessing, we need, to, we need God in our corner, right? We need him speaking into our life. We need to be hearing from him. We need to get strength and encouragement. And we need him even at times to just highlight who it is we're supposed to talk to, who it is we're supposed to reach out to. And this happens in the context of prayer, and so often for me, prayer is just is full, uh, you know, full disclosure is a last resort. This is something that I wrestle with. As I prepared this message, I just felt so convicted at, the, at how much I need, how much more priority I need to give prayer because prayer can be a last resort. But I think that God wants it to be a first resort for his church before we go to the person before we go to listen to them, before we go to eat with them, before we go to serve them or share our story or share the story of the gospel, first, first we want to go to God in prayer for them. And we're not only going to begin with prayer, we're gonna continue to come back to God in prayer. We're gonna pray in the midst of conversations and after them over and over again. We want to set this as our first and primary means of blessing others, and that is to pray for them. We must realize that what God wants us to do as a church, as a community, if you're a Christian, what God wants you to do is he wants you to be his witness. And if we go apart from prayer, we are gonna go in our own strength and our own knowledge, trying to figure it out ourselves. And we can miss out on what he has for us. But first, I just want us to own up to the reality that prayer is hard. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Prayer is hard. Let's just say that all together. Prayer is hard. It's hard. It's very hard to do. And uh, I mean, just think about this. Jesus, in his last hour, he's in the garden, right? He asked the disciples to pray for them. And what do they do? They sleep. They sleep. I mean, there's no urgency. There's no intensity. He's like, guys, can't you just stay awake with me for an hour to pray? And they're like, yes, 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 yes. And they're gone. They're sleeping. I, um, I, I, I'm, I just this last, I think literally just last week, I set my uh, alarm early uh, to get up. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get up early. I'm gonna pray. And I remember the alarm going off. I remember waking up and the bed was so warm and the room was so cold. And, uh, and I just remember thinking, ah, oh, you know what? I can pray here just like I can pray in my living room. <laughs> I literally said that to myself. I'm like, oh, I can pray here. And then the next thing I know, I'm like 10 minutes late for work. I just didn't even know. I just fell right back to sleep. That was the last thing that, that went through my head. I fell asleep. One guy, uh, one guy said he prayed multiple hours a day. Multiple hours a day. When asked how he did it, he said he made a practice of prayer napping. Lay down, pray a few minutes, fall asleep. Because he fell asleep while he was praying, he counted the whole nap as prayer time. <laughs> it's one way to make yourself feel better. Another very influential leader, I remember this because he spoke on prayer, this was years ago, but this guy is a massively, uh, uh, leads a large church, influential leader, and he was talking about how he desired to have a robust prayer life, and his father had this, just this amazing prayer life, and uh, he wanted to have that, and he wanted, his, he wanted to set a good example for his son, and uh, so he would get up early in the morning and go downstairs, and he, would, and he said he would begin to pray. But he said, he's just confessing his own struggle with how hard it is. He said, he said, oftentimes I would start off on my knees and I'm praying and then all my knees would go to bowing and then on my, and as I'm bowing, I would fall asleep. And he specifically remembers one morning, his son came downstairs to find him where his dad was praying and he said he was passed out on the floor asleep. Praying's hard. 
It's a hard discipline to get into our life and in the rhythm of our life. The Apostle Paul is aware that it's hard for us. And that's why I think he's constantly encouraging the church to pray because he knows them to their temptation and our temptation will be to neglect it. He knows that it's just something that we will fit into our life when we can, when we have time, when we make space, when something tragic happens and then we'll, maybe we'll pray, but, it not, but he wants it to be a first. This needs to be a priority in our life. And so Paul encourages the Colossians in our text. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. So this isn't supposed to be like a one and done deal. This isn't something that we do in a moment, in a crisis, and then we stop doing it until the next moment or the next crisis. But this is something he wants us to do steadfastly. It means like giving ourselves to it, like committing to it, being disciplined uh, to it, to keep showing up. You know, one of the most important lessons is life is just to show up and to keep showing up. And even when we fall short, we just, you know, we, we get back on the horse. We keep going. Prayer needs to be a priority for us. I, Ellie Sanazero, many of you know her as, because she oversees all of our uh, J Kids and youth ministry here in Kirkwood. And she shared this story with me about being steadfast in prayer that I just loved. I want to share it with you. Um, and by the way, you have Ellie and her team of amazing teachers. There's actually several of you are teachers to thank for. If your kids love J-Kids, that you, you have them to thank. Uh, they are the reason that my kids cry, when not when I drop them off, but when I go to pick them up. They cry. They don't want to leave. So uh, we have amazing uh, uh, volunteers in our classroom. So thank you. But Ellie shared this story with me. She, she said when she was in youth, uh, she was a sophomore in high school, and she attended a youth group that had 15 to 20 kids. And she said this. She said, over the summer... Our youth, leader, our youth leader gathered the youth group at Oakville High School. You may know that high school, not too far away. Every Sunday night, every Sunday night to pray for our classmates, to pray for evangelistic opportunity, and for the upcoming school year. When school started back up, my friend and I decided to dedicate ourselves to prayer and invite our friends to youth group. We hung out in a group of about 40 or so students. So every week we called we texted, we Facebook messaged, we instant messaged, we emailed and personally invited all those friends. They probably felt a little harassed. That's a lot of, a lot of, but they were committed. She said, week one, no one showed up. We continued in prayer and inviting. Week two, no one showed up. Week three, no one showed up. Continue, continue, no one, again, again, no one. For nine weeks, for nine weeks, we prayed for our friends and persistently invited them. And for nine weeks, no one showed up. Can I get an amen? <laughs> However, we continued in prayer. We'd spent the summer praying and it really felt like God had called us to this. Despite weeks of rejection, we truly believed God wanted our friends to hear the gospel and to experience him. So we did not give up. Finally, there was a hayride coming up. And like we had been, we prayed for the event and invited all of our friends. And to our amazement, almost every single one came. We actually had to rent an extra tractor because so many students showed up. And then next Wednesday at youth group, our usual 15 to 20 kids became 50 to 60 for the next several months. Not all of these students stay. Not all became Christians, but some of them did. One of them was Matt Furman. As no Matt Furman, Matt Furman's a member here at Jubilee, leads our setup team. He's highly involved in his community group. Matt Furman came out of that youth group. Out of those invitations in that time of prayer, Matt became a Christian. 
And I love this because I'm talking to Matt. So Matt's here, he's invested, he's serving, uh, and he's a part of an amazing community group. Uh, shout out to Aaron and Renee Fraser's community group. Uh, uh, they, these guys, and now here's Matt. Matt's plugged in, he's loving God, serving God. Now he's praying for other people. And uh, Matt told me how uh, maybe a couple years ago, two guys showed up to their community group, didn't know them, but they weren't Christians, Tyler Kuhn and Sam Freund. You might know those guys. Maybe you've heard of them. And here's the thing. These guys show up not because they're intrigued by the gospel so much, but they like these people. They like hanging out with their friends and, they, and they're curious and they're asking questions. And Matt and his community group commit to praying for them. And it didn't happen overnight. They prayed for them and they prayed for them and they prayed for them. And then, if you, and then last March, right over here, we baptized Tyler Kuhn and their community group was celebrating because God had answered their prayers. He crossed the line of faith. And then Sam took a little bit more praying, but then September rolled around and Sam got baptized right over here. God answered their prayers. And I can remember specifically those Sundays because their community group was so excited for them. So excited. These guys had crossed the line of faith and the, the power and the blessing of prayer just keeps moving forward. Guess what, Sam? Sam is now, not only has he crossed the line of faith, but he's helping lead and serve our youth group on Tuesday nights. And guess what Sam's doing? I know this because I know Ellie and I know what the teachers do when they get together is they pray for the youth. The prayer, the blessing and the power of prayer keeps moving forward. And I am confident that we are going to baptize uh, youth over here one day because of prayers that have been, that have been, uh, that have been, because of, sorry, leaders who have been on their knees praying for them to cross the line of faith, praying for them to be captured by the gospel. The power of prayer, steadfast prayer, not one and done, but steadfast prayer has a powerful, powerful influence, and we get to be a part of what God's doing. And that's the beauty of it. The beauty is we're not doing something God, we're not like bending God's arm to do something he doesn't want to do. He's already made it known. He's made it clear. He's given us a mandate. He wants us to be his witness because he wants people to be saved. When we give ourselves to steadfast prayer, God will give us stories. God will give us stories when we begin in prayer. Aren't we glad that Ellie and Matt and Sam, aren't we glad they persisted in prayer, are persisting in prayer? God has stories for you just like that if we persist in prayer. And then Paul says as well in verse three, he says that God may open to us a door for the word. And this is really important that we understand this, this dynamic. Paul says that God may open to us a door, right? Paul says, look, we can listen, we can eat and serve, share our story all day long, but it's not gonna make a bit of difference. If God isn't in it, if God doesn't open the door, if God doesn't make a way, if he doesn't bring the right person across my path, if he doesn't give me a heart to listen, if he doesn't show me the opportunity, if he doesn't open their ears to hear and their heart to receive, then it's all in vain. And this is both humbling and empowering. It's humbling because it puts us in a place of dependence that we can't do anything without God making a way. This is true for our families. It's true for business, for government, everything in life. God holds it in his hand. If he doesn't make a way, 
There is no way. He's the God who spoke the universe into existence and upholds it by the power of his word. He's the God who parts the sea and closes it back over his enemies. He gives and he takes away. He lifts up and he tears down. He is God. Prayer humbles us before the sovereignty of God. It also empowers us to go in the strength of God because when God opens the door, what man can close it? Who can stop it? We, so here's the thing, we get to stop worrying. You feel anxious about being a witness? You feel anxious about what to say or what to do? Here's the reality of it. The reality is, is, it, is that, you know what? You can trip over and stumble and give the worst presentation of the gospel ever to somebody. But God can take that pitiful presentation and he can open someone's eyes and ears and heart to see and hear and know truth, to see Jesus in a way that they've never seen him before. We can stop worrying that we won't have enough answers, that we won't have enough arguments, that won't we be able to defend the gospel because the reality is it's his gospel, right? This is his church. The Bible is his word. We are a part of his plan. We just get to be a part of it. We just get to say yes to him and then watch how he miraculously moves on people. It's good news. It's, not, it's good news that it's not our compelling apologetic that will get someone to cross the line of faith. We don't argue someone into faith. It's the power of revelation that only he provides. And if that's true, then we've got to be dependent on prayer. We must be on our knees before God in prayer. What he wants for us is to seek what he wants for us is to ask. What he wants is for us to be praying, which involves speaking and listening. And uh, recently uh, in our community group, uh, there's a young lady, Kate Nagger, who shared a really amazing story. I love it. Has, where she shared with us about how she was used by God and she was praying and she was hearing and she was listening. I'm gonna invite her up to actually share this. Uh, Kate, can you come on up? There she is. Come on up, Kate. Let's welcome Kate. So I've asked Kate to share this story. She shared it with our community group. It was so good. I loved it so much. I told her, you got to share that with the church. So I'm going to turn things over to you. Yeah, David's asked me to share this quite a few times. And every time I feel like really awkward about it. But um, I feel like that's kind of a good thing because um, I really don't feel like I was ever the kind of person that like told these stories. I was always the person like listening to them being like, oh my gosh, it's amazing, you know. Um, but... Basically, um, I was at home one Saturday morning, like just sitting on the couch in my pajamas. <laughs> and I looked out my window and I saw some Jehovah's Witnesses like walking down the street and they were like, uh, just, they were across the street. And I thought, oh, I think they might come to my house. So um, this is where I would turn the lights off and act like I wasn't home. <laughs> and I was that person. <laughs> I was just always really nervous to like talk to them because I always felt like they were like, I mean, they're amazing. They know their, their Bible and they know like our Bible too. And they kind of, um, they're very well practiced at sort of arguing those points. But um, I know I always felt like I was out of my depth. So, but the couple of weeks before I read an article on Desiring God about like how to talk to them. And they basically said like, don't try and argue with them because you'll lose. Like, just ask them if you can pray with them. So um, when they came to my door, I actually um, was rushing and, like, getting dressed or something. They came to my door, and um, 
So that's basically what I did. I was talking to them and they sort of wanted to get into that, but I just said, listen, like, I know that you know or you th- you feel strongly about this and I feel very strongly about this, so can we just pray right now that God would show us? And um, they were they were really um, kind of like, oh, you know, no, that's not right because we've come to your house to minister to you, so it wouldn't be right for you to pray with us. They were really sidestepping it and that's kind of what the article said they would do. And um, yeah, so I... I was like kind of pushing it, but it was funny because one of them was like, now, if you came to our house, um, we would let you pray for us. I was like, oh, well, and this was where like, I really felt like God was in it and it was not me. Cause I'm usually the person that goes back and I'm like, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that, you know, but I was like, oh, well, where do you live? I'll come to your house. And that was like the Holy Spirit for sure. I know it. And <laughs> And it was funny because she was like, they were sort of scoffing at me and they were like, oh, well, I live in Weingarten, which is like an area in St. Genevieve. And the other one was like, I live on 6th Street. And I was like, okay, locked it away. And um, at the end, I was like, and what were your names? And they said, oh, mine's Jeanette. And I just remember her name because um, that's my aunt's name. I guess that's why. But anyway, um, then when I was waiting for Zach to come home, I just felt really strongly that it was something that God wanted me to like follow up on and follow through on. And I was just, I don't know, I guess I felt really bold that day for some reason. Um, And so when Zach got home, I was like, come on, we're going to find some Jehovah's Witnesses. And he he was thinking like I'm crazy, but that's not really new in our household. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, so we got in the van and we were driving around. And as it turns out, 6th Street is actually really short. So when we turned onto 6th Street, I was like, okay. But I was thinking, Lord, like, if this is what you want me to do, I will do it. And I just prayed. And I'm not really, you know, I'm not a huge prayer. I wish I was, like David said, like full disclosure. I'm not that kind of person that's on her knees every morning, you know, but I remember praying about this and opportunities and um, sort of just like, God, just give them to me. But you kind of go about it and you don't really think about it that much. Well, this one came and I was like, whoa. So um, yeah, I just prayed, Lord, like I'll do it and I'll knock on every like house door on 6th Street. Well, thankfully <laughs> I didn't have to. I, and I said, God, you just have to go before me. Well, we turned onto 6th Street and there's a house right there that says Frank and Jeanette on the front. So I was like, <laughs> okay, like that was my confirmation, like that that was what I was supposed to do. So um, yeah, I just, we sort of, long story short, ended up sort of knocking on their door and they were in the backyard and we prayed with them after much resistance. They really didn't want to do it. Um, and it wasn't this great like revelation or anything like that, but I definitely feel like God had a purpose in that. And um, I don't know what it is, um, other maybe than like teaching me to be obedient to kind of crazy stuff. But um, I would just say that like as an encouragement to anybody else, like um, yeah, he's. I think God's just waiting for us to. Um, ask for those open doors and just be willing and obedient to walk in them and not thinking, you know, I can't do this or whatever, because he will, he'll go before you. And you might not have a crazy story. You might just end up doing something nice for your neighbor. But um, yeah, for sure. I think that he's just waiting and wanting us to be ready. That's great. (laughs) Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Kate.
one of the things I love just in talking to Kate about that story, she shared with me that, you know, she hoped that one day when she's in heaven, she'll bump into Jeanette and, you know, get to be like, I prayed for you. You know, I prayed for you that you would be here with me today. And, and here's the thing is you may hear that story and think, if, if I was sitting in the crowd, I would think just like Kate said, she would do if she was in the crowd hearing that story, I would never do that. I can never do that. And uh, the fact is, is we just have to be willing as doors open to us and as God leads to say yes to him. We don't have to take it upon our shoulders. We don't have to force, we don't have to kick a door down and make something happen. But if we are willing to say yes, and she was willing along that story to say yes to him every step of the way. And because she was willing to say that, they got to be a part of God doing something, planting a seed, blessing someone else. And there is just, there is great power available to us in prayer and as we go in prayer. And it's like in Jesus said in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He commands us to be his witnesses in Matthew 28. Do you know that? Do you know that you you are his witness. I am his witness. Know that? Not the person sitting next to you. Well, also the person sitting next to you. Also the person sitting next to you. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been called and commissioned to be his witness. Say, let's say, I am a witness. Say, I am a witness. I am a witness. Let's say it again. I am a witness. You are a witness. You are just like Kate. You are just like me. You know what? You have good days, bad days, highs, lows, seasons of prayer, seasons of lack of prayer. God out of his grace wants to use us. He commands us to be his witnesses in Matthew 28. But the key to being an effective witness is being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's understanding that we don't have to go into the gym alone and figure it out. He has sent his helper to go with us, to be alongside us. If you're a Christian, it was the Holy Spirit who revealed Jesus to you in the first place. And we need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us and be with us as we intentionally bless those who don't know that they have a savior who loves them. If you feel like the kind of person who can never share your faith, who can never be good at telling others about Jesus, who isn't very good at being an ambassador of Christ, then just welcome to the party, okay? We're all there. We all feel that way. We all feel inadequate. I texted a guy a couple weeks ago. He was struggling with this, feeling inadequate. And I just texted him. I said, hey, we're all a bunch of losers. <laughs> we are. I said, praise God. We're all failures. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Pastor told you you're a failure and a loser. It's true though. It's true. Romans 3, 23, 24 says, for there is no distinction for all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All have sinned, all fall short. Second place is the first loser. Only Jesus crossed the line. Only he could bear the burden. Our worship comes from a place of, even though I fall short. Here, I see the beauty. There is no condemnation in Christ. We heard this in worship. I was saying amen to that because I had this in my notes. Guys, there is no condemnation. So often we think, I am a failure. I'm a loser. I'm a weak Christian. And we use that to condemn ourselves, to prevent us from walking in the good works that God has for us. But God wants that to be a place of worship, not condemnation. It's, yes, I am a failure. Yes, I am a loser. Yes, I'm not 
good enough, but praise God that he's chosen me anyways, that I'm not redeemed because of how good I am. I am redeemed and righteous before God because he's made me righteous. We're not saved by our performance. We're saved apart from our performance. So it doesn't matter if you prayed for five minutes in the last five years, or if you prayed for five hours in the last five days. If you are in Christ, you are righteous, saved by Jesus, by his grace. And so we can approach God in confidence. We don't approach God in condemnation. It's confidence we come to him. It's in confidence that we believe he hears our prayers, that he is going before us and that he is gonna work through us. us. It's not our strength, it's our weakness that makes that he puts his power on display. So if you are wrestling today, if you're struggling, you feel like, I am just, I can never do this. Own that. Say, I can never do this, but God has chosen me anyways, despite the fact that I know in my own strength, I can't do it. Somehow, some way, God didn't choose the strong and the wise. The Bible says he chose the weak and the foolish. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. That's great news for me. I remember the first time I realized, you know what? I always struggle with feeling like a failure. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray enough. In the liberation that came when I realized, you know what? I, I stink at these things, but God has chosen to love me. And whether I do them or don't do them doesn't change how much he loves me. So we approach God in prayer. We receive power by him in prayer because of what he has done apart from our performance. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit through prayer, everything changes. Paul's writing this letter from prison. Let's not forget this. Paul's writing this letter from prison. Now, I don't know about what you pray if you were in prison, but I would be praying, pray that I get out of here, pray that they give me some water, pray that they stop beating me. Whatever is happening, I'm praying. Guys, please pray. Paul doesn't ask that. In prison, he asks for the church to be steadfast in prayer, that a door might be opened, that he might share the gospel. Paul recognizes that even in his imprisonment, there is amazing gospel opportunity. He's locked up, but the gospel isn't. He's behind bars, but he's urging the church, keep praying, don't give up on prayer. We should think about where you're at in life right now. There could be places you're in right now, situations you're in, whether it be family, life, work, whatever it is that you feel locked up that you cannot get out. Maybe though, like Paul in prison, maybe it's not that God wants to take you out of your situation. What if, what if God's plan isn't to get you out, but what if his plan is that he's placed you there, that he might open a door for you there for the word that you might proclaim the mystery of Christ? What if we in power, sorry, in prayer received power, remembering that he is sovereign, sovereign, that it's his grace, by his grace that we approach, that he wants to set people and save people free, that he wants to take situations and turn them upside down. It may not be he wants to get you out of your circumstance. It just may be that he wants you to go to him in prayer and use you to turn that situation upside down for his glory. The greatest joy in life is knowing Jesus and telling others about him. That's it. That's what life is all about. What stories, what stories will God give you right where you are if you're willing to begin with prayer? How do we pray? 
It's a fair question, right? So if we pray, how do we pray? Well, I think in this, this, the second part of this passage that we read in Colossians helps us because Paul says uh, to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. And here we go, here we go. And we're gonna make this, we're gonna make this short and sweet. So he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. So pray for wisdom, right? Pray for wisdom. It says that, you know what? Here's a challenging verse. Jesus says, we ha- or in James, it says, we have not because we ask not. We need wisdom. So ask for wisdom with how to approach people, how to be a witness, to who to approach. Make the best use of time, he says. So we can pray, pray for purpose and boldness. We waste time when we don't know our purpose. And actually when we let fear take the driver's seat in our life. We need prayer for boldness and purpose. So ask God, ask God for a vision, ask God for a purpose, clarify, you know, ask him to clarify who in your workplace, who in your neighborhood does he want you to go after? Find purpose in your prayer life, find boldness in your prayer life. He says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So pray for grace to speak the truth in love. He says, so that you may know how to answer each person. Pray for the Holy Spirit to give us the words we need. Remember, that was one of his encouragements to the disciples. He said, don't worry, in the moment, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit is with us, filling us with power, giving us the words that we need to say in the moment. We think we have to know everything before we tell someone about Jesus, but we don't. The Holy Spirit is gonna work through you and for you. There is great power available to us in prayer. And just lastly, make a plan come up with a realistic, attainable plan for your life. It doesn't matter if it's 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day, whatever, whatever. Here's my encouragement and challenge to you. Come up with a plan that you feel like you can commit to week in and week out. That's step one. Step two, tell someone what your plan is. Allow someone to keep you accountable. If you see prayer as a good thing, as a necessary thing, and if you're a Christian, I hope that you do, let someone inspect your life. Let someone ask you how you're doing. Not that you can feel bad about yourself when you don't do it. Get, don't ask, if someone's gonna make you do that, don't ask them to do it. Find a brother or sister that's gonna encourage you. That's gonna be say, hey, you know what? You know, you, so you can tell them, you know what? I fell down this week. I didn't pray. I wanted to pray. I slept through my alarm for the last 10 days. Hey, that's, you know what? That's okay. Let's tomorrow, let's pray. Okay. Find someone that's gonna encourage you, that's gonna uh, spur you on towards what God has for you in grace, not condemnation. So make a plan, have someone keep you accountable for your plan and just believe. Don't have, don't, you don't have to come up with, oh my gosh, like hear Kate's story or hear Ellie and think, oh my gosh, I could, you know, it's, you're getting the ball too far down the field. Just start with just saying, you know what? I'm gonna be willing to say yes to God today. Who knows what he will do? Who knows what stories that God will give you, but I guarantee you, he will give you stories that will bless you, that will encourage you, and he will use you to be his witness. God has stories to give you as you begin in prayer, as you step out to be his witness. We may find ourselves driving down a street looking for strangers like Kate, or we may be on our knees praying for our friends to receive an invitation like Ellie, or joined in with the community group praying for a friend that hasn't crossed the line of faith like Matt. God has stories for you. May God do that and so much more as we begin in prayer. Take this this, um, bookmark today. Put this, whatever book you're reading, 
let this be a reminder for you to pray. Put it in your Bible. You're reading your Bible. I hope you're reading your Bible. When you see this, let this be a reminder to pray. We get to learn, we acknowledge there's so much information. As we go through the Bible, we're learning so much information, but we need God to take that information and make it revelation in our heart. We need the Holy Spirit speaking to us through his word. Whatever you're reading, put this in there and let this be a stopping place. And actually, Mike, do this. Think of one person, at least one person to pray for who doesn't know Jesus. And then make it a commitment to every time you see this card, every time you open that book, you pray for that person and for an open door that you might proclaim the mysteries of Christ Jesus.